All right, everybody, episode number 12. So I just left you guys uh, hanging with the uh, communications thing. So I honestly, I was actually talking to some people today because the other day when I did the communications episode, or the, the start of them, I uh, it actually struck up a lot of conversations. So I've got a lot of family that's in the medical field, okay? So I've got aunts that are that work in the hospital here locally. My mom has been in the hospital and the uh, nursing facility uh, locally here for, gosh, 35 years. And uh, so, I mean, I, I come from a, from a line of people that are involved with the medical field. So it actually, stuff like that, when I bring up stuff like that, the communication side of things, it really does bring up a lot of, a lot of conversation around me and and that's and that's good because i i like to get the feedback from from everybody else too if everybody has ideas so one thing that that my mom and and a good friend of mine she's she's a nurse um uh something that we uh we talked about something that they do is they always they always try when they got somebody in a in a in a situation there where they can't talk they can't move is they always kind of think of it in the sense that that uh, they're dealing with like a newborn. Okay, so I mean, if you think about it, when we when we have our kids and stuff, when they're babies, they they can't talk, they can't tell us exactly what's wrong. So there's certain things, you know. There's you got to build, like I was saying in the last episode, you got to build yourself a a. Uh, kind of a platform to work on you know and 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 categorize the questions that you're going to ask and 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 organize them you know which which ones are going to be the most common issue and and as i was trying to explain to getting to know the situation getting to know the situation about who's in that hospital bed um whether you're going in there just to visit or you're going in there as one of the staff members uh, or if you're going in there as a doctor, I mean, it's, it's always good to know that situation. So part of the conversation today, it was actually kind of entertaining because I had, and, and this, this conversation w- went on the other night too. Somebody asked me at this point in my journey here. Okay. So I'm just, a, just a fast summary of where I'm at in this, in this whole deal. Okay. I'm on a ventilator. We're still battling that fever back and forth a little bit. Uh, we're in we're in the fourth month ish, uh, right in there. So and you got to kind of bear with me with that because when you're in and out, in and out, in and out. So I was in and out of the comatose state um, for the first three to three and a half months, in and out, in and out, in and out. So my timeline, keeping things fluent here is is uh it's hard um sometimes i i get to talking about stuff that happened and then two or three days later i'll be like oh man i forgot about that one thing you know so and uh and yeah it uh it it actually uh it, it is a it is a real deal i mean the time really just kind of ran in a blur there for a long time while i was in that in that part of the whole deal but I'm in there. I'm still very much paralyzed, head to toe. 
Um, I've got a little tiny bit of movement in my neck. Um, I've got a little bit of movement in my lips, in my mouth, because I am, at this point in time, I'm trying to lip talk things, you know, and, and I figured out that, like I said, everybody that reads lips uh, was not present. <laughs> so it got really frustrating, but I'm still very, very paralyzed. I'm not just able to pick up a pencil and write down what I need. So, I mean, it's it's a situation, you know, and I can't talk still because I'm still on the ventilator and I'm still using that support. Um, in and out of the situation with collapsed lungs. So that ventilator, I kept popping the left lung. It was over and over and over again. Uh, that left lung was collapsing. So it was, I, I was just, I was in rough shape still. And, uh, I was at that point, I was on a tube feeding. So I, I think I talked a little bit about the, uh, the different, the different levels of, of the fact that, I mean, not to give, go into too much detail, but, uh, when you're on tube feeding, I mean, you're consistently having bowel movements and uh, it's not pleasant just to clear that up. So I don't know who's all been on tube feedings like that, but that stuff is wicked. And I always had this, so I had I had a G tube in, so I actually had a tube right in my belly there. And uh, I tell you what, I cannot count the number of times there's a valve on this tube, okay? Because when they're feeding you and stuff, when they disconnect everything, they shut that valve. Okay, so that valve shut. I mean, this is a direct port that goes right into your gut. Yeah, I mean, it's so into the part of into that part of your stomach so this is a direct opening to that so we we close up we got a valve i mean thing if without it things back up and it's gross okay so <laughs> this this uh thing is set up on a kangaroo pump is what they call it which is actually just a little a little cycle pump there that that does this choo 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 stuff and it's just pumping it into you and and the stuff they're pumping into you it's it's much like baby formula milk it's it's uh it's it's different it's sticky nasty wet crap that trust me i know and where i'm going with this part of it is if you for if you put that that just the hose just simply slips onto a little fitting, a little barb-like fitting. And you kick it on, and but you got to make sure you open that valve. If you do not open that valve, you are in a world of trouble. Because that pump will pump that thing apart, and it will pump out a whole bag of tube feeding all over you. Believe me, it is it is a nightmare it is not the best feeling <laughs> so everybody likes a milk bath this is totally different okay I, I don't know what the deal is with the milk baths but i'm pretty sure this has got to be different so i i, I had no, nothing good to say about the the uh tube feeding baths but but no i'm on the tube feeding and stuff and i'm i'm just i'm going through a phase there Something one of the kids had brought up earlier because they had listened to actually part of my deal there, and uh, the kids had brought up and and my ex 
about yonkers so if you guys don't know what a yonker is so when you're on a ventilator and you got things going on you build up a lot of a lot of gunk nasty mucusy stuff and some of it's like when you have a really bad cold or a sinus infection you get them chunks of nasty phlegm and stuff in the back of your throat so you got that going on well you can't just hawk it up and spit it out you're on a ventilator so what they got they got this little uh there's a little vacuum thing that hangs on the wall right behind the bed and uh it comes out there's a hose that comes out and it's got this little wand and they stick that wand in your throat and they clear all that stuff out they suck it up and i'm not gonna kid you I, I know there's probably a purpose for it, but the little lens, the container that all that stuff goes into, mine, I don't know if they're all like this, mine was clear. So people could see that, and it was like the worst collection of loogies. It was it was pretty awful, to be honest. I, I uh, oh, geez. Yeah, nasty, nasty stuff. But, uh, we, uh, that's where I'm at in this stage, okay? And, and the frustration with the communication has hit an all-time high. It's, and the depression has set in. I'm not in good shape at this time. But so one thing that we got to talking about and something that got brought up on subject a couple times throughout the last few days was I had somebody, somebody just come out and ask me. They're like, how did the staff and, the, and people that... that uh, came in to see you or worked with you and stuff in there how did they talk to you and i asked them what they meant you know i was like well they just talked to me you know but they uh it's one of those things where we opened up a conversation based on how they talked to me. now this situation that i'm in paralyzed not breathing on life support okay I've got all this stuff going on but my mind is working 100% and I'm gonna tell you right now nothing got under my skin more than when a new nurse or a CNA or somebody would come in and talk to me like I was a 18 month old toddler oh how are you doing today it's it's just uh it's like oh my god talk to me like i'm a human being and talk to me like i'm a 31 year old human being at the time so it does really honestly make a difference the little gucci talking stuff just really doesn't make the situation any better and here's why okay we're in there we're stuck in a hospital Realistically, the last, very last thing we need is somebody coming in there and talking to us like we are mentally gone. Because all that does is gives us a huge reminder that we're stuck in that situation. So seriously, come in there, go in there, talk, talk to people like they're adults. Have real conversations with them. Be nice and open. I would honestly rather some drill sergeant come walking into my room yelling at me. I mean, it 
And and that's no joke. I would r literally really have rather have somebody walk into my room and be like, "Let's get up, Shane. Let's go to the gym. Let's do it. Quit jacking around. Get your ass out of that bed." So I mean, that's I would rather that kind of treatment than that. Oh, how are you doing today? Okay, I just no, and and, and I'm serious. And there's a lot of people that that I've talked to along the way throughout this adventure. That that is really one of the chief complaints is the tone and the and the words and the language and everything i mean talk to us like we're adult human beings and and it's not such a reminder that we're stuck in this situation and that's that's not just for gbs patients that are going through what i'm i'm explaining here that goes for it goes for everybody realistically i mean there's, I just, I don't know anybody that likes to be talked to like that because literally it's, it makes you feel like a toddler and, and, uh, I can't, uh, I, I can't, I just can't accept that as a, as a good thing. But where that conversation came up was later on down the road when I was out of the hospital, I was in a Walmart store wheeling around in my wheelchair and these two women had walked up behind me in the, uh, checkout aisle and they just started talking to me like I was some kind of baby and my ex actually spoke up about it was like look the, he's perfectly fine you know mentally he's this is a physical thing like don't don't talk to him like he's a toddler you know so so really that that is a deal and I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because it did come up on subject a few different times over the last few days when I was talking about understanding the situation and stuff but along with that subject there was a story that i forgot to tell everybody that had came up with the dreams um and so i'm gonna step back there just for a couple minutes there i was having a dream for a little bit this is a weird weird dream that i was having and this dream took place on an indian reservation in north dakota Okay, at this time, while I was in the in the hospital, I I had had minimal uh, interaction with the state of North Dakota. I'd been up there a few times for work. I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. And uh, when I was when I was up there, I uh, it was strictly work. So I honestly have no idea where this dream actually came from. But I got little weird reminders of the stuff that happened in this dream down the road after I was out of the hospital. So pay attention to this little story because it's going to come back later. So in this dream, I was I was in this hospital. I was in another hospital. Like I said, a relative dreaming. I was in this hospital and I somehow managed to get out for a little bit, but I was in a wheelchair. So it was a little more realistic. I was I was out, I was wheeling around, and I had wheeled this wheelchair into an old uh, high school. And it wasn't like an abandoned high school. It was one they still used, but classes were out, and, and it wasn't being occupied by anybody, really. But there was a group of kids that came out of this high school, and they were yelling and screaming that, that uh, something had happened to one of their friends. Okay, well, I, I had had a lot of stuff. In my past, I had been around a lot, a lot of real negative 
situations. I've seen a lot of death at work. I've seen a lot of death out on the road. And, uh, and I'll get into them stories when we get out of, out of this initial story, but, um, further down in the episodes, but I, I, I'd been around it a lot and I'd seen it a lot. So in my dream, when I seen these kids come out of the school, I had, um, I had this this feeling that kind of went over me. Even though I was in a wheelchair, I felt like I needed to go in there and try to help. Because naturally, in real life, that's what I would have did. So, I go into this building and I wheel in there. And there's a series of ramps in this building. And these ramps end up coming to a dead head or a dead end. Where you have no choice but to actually um, go down a set of stairs. So, I get to the top of the stairs and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and I'm looking out over the railing and it goes down. The stairs kind of do a, like a regular deal where a staircase would go down, where it goes down a little ways, makes a 90, goes down, makes another 90 and it just, it's a box and there's a stairwell that goes all the way down. So I'm looking down over the edge and this kid had fell off of the top railing where I was sitting in my wheelchair and I could see him down at the bottom and he was in very bad shape and this was a very very realistic dream that I was having I'm looking down there and his mother comes into the school and she is disabled as well so we're actually both sitting at the top of the stairs looking down over the top of her kid who is probably 11 or 12 years old native native american kid uh this it was a it was a reservation hosted school so so i we're sitting there and we're trying to figure this stuff out and i actually end up finding a way down to the bottom and i get down to the bottom going all the way around the building and i end up down at the bottom in this chair and i'm hanging out over the edge of the neck this little landing where he's actually laying and I'm trying to grab a hold of him. And I can already tell that this kid is is no longer living. So I don't don't know what I was actually attempting to do there. But one thing that really, really, really stood out in the situation, and I, if any of the listeners have been around any kind of a, a any kind of fatal accidents or anything, you'll know what the smell of death is death has a smell okay so i remember in this dream very very strong smell of death and i couldn't couldn't quite put my finger on where where this actually was making a relevance with what i had going on outside of the dream you know so so I'm in there. I'm still trying to help this kid. He's he's no longer living, but I'm still trying to do what I can. And this smell is it, it's it's strong. It's taken over my world there. So I kind of lost myself with the smell of death. Well, in real life, outside, the guy across the hallway passed away. They brought a guy in that was had been in an accident or something and he 
he had passed away over there. So it was, it was just a weird coincidence that, uh, that I was having this dream and that smell is what really, really grabbed my attention throughout the whole situation. But the smell of death. Okay. So later on down in the episodes, I've got stories, stuff I've seen out on the road and stuff that I've done since getting out of this situation where that dream is going to come back up so that dream like i said i have no idea where that dream came from i I didn't know anybody in that dream nothing nothing was relevant in that dream there i have no idea where that dream came from so but that dream keep listening to my episodes because when i get out of the yamber story and i get into my road stories there's gonna be that dream's gonna come back up we're gonna hear about that dream again so just just a little uh just a little a little clue for what's to come down the road but it's it's pretty intense i guarantee i guarantee keep listening when we get back to that story of that dream you will not be disappointed it's 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 a seat grabber so but anyways so yeah i I went through this stuff, so just over the last few days, all these little stories kept or came back up, and those, you know, the situational stuff and and whatnot. But I'm in there, and it, you know, they're trying everything they can. Something that was going on at this point in time was physical therapy started to come in, and they were trying to work with me a little bit, and occupational therapy. And here's the deal with occupational therapy and physical therapy. So when you're laid out like that for such a long period of time, your body starts to starts to basically deteriorate so when i went into the hospital when i went in to the er that day my body weight i'm i'm six foot tall okay now with my adaptive afos and stuff on my ankles and the heel lifts and stuff i'm about six one and a half six two right now but when i went in there i weighed about 180 pounds okay at this four month mark, I was all the way down to the mid 120s. Okay, I had lost almost 60 pounds in that amount of time. My body was deteriorating. My muscle mass disappeared. It is amazing how fast your body will break down your muscle tissue just from not moving. But when it, it, it's, a, it's a real eye-opener as to how important it is to get up, get a little exercise, stay moving. Even if you just go out and you walk around your house or somewhere, walk, you know, go, go for a walk down to the mailbox or something. I mean, just do something because it really is important for your body to stay active. Keep the muscles firing because just that little bit of fire. Um, as I go through this story, you'll hear little, little stories supporting just how much just a little bit of stimulation to your muscles does but right now it's how much it does to your muscles when you don't move at all your body consumes them they it it feeds off them it takes every every bit of what they have left and they deteriorate down into nothing so basically for example by the time this was at this point my biceps were basically just a tendon that went from my shoulder to my elbow. 
So, I mean, if you can kind of picture that, I, I wither away. And uh, so part of the deal with that, though, is when you're going through that, if you're not moving, your, your tendons also begin to shrink and they begin to harden, which causes problems down the road, which is actually part of my problem and why I have the heel lifts in my AFOs is because my Achilles tendons shrunk and they hardened. And we were, we were really in high hopes that they were going to, over time, stretch themselves back out and I'd be fine, but they never did. And with the lack of movement and the paralysis still below my knees, it's, uh, it's something that just, it, it will not, never correct without surgery. So we're, that's part of the deal that we're uh, currently planning for. But no, I, uh, I was pretty, I was pretty well, pretty well, uh, you know, on the, on the movies when they unwrap a mummy, <laughs> that's, that's legitimately what I looked like at this point in time. I, I looked like I just came out of the bottom of, uh, one of the pyramids over there in Egypt and they just unwrapped me and this is what was left was my mummified body. Um only we were we had machines to keep my mummified body alive so that's that's the condition that i was in at the time i was i was in very very bad shape uh something else that was going on that that started to really become a a real pain in the feet (laughs) uh was toenails okay toenails colorado's a they're a non-supportive state when it comes to maintaining your your toenails okay and and they have reasons for it there is there is reasons and liability reasons so something that that goes on if you're ever in a situation you go in there and you're seeing a family member that is not walking and this is this is a problem here they are not walking check their toenails check their toenails check their fingernails because what happens it is so important for the human body to bear weight through its feet and that's a huge factor in the way your toenails grow so when you're not putting weight on them and the, and the pressure is not dispersing evenly throughout the growth of your toenails you will start to develop really bad ingrown nails and I have this going on. And like I said before, I can feel every little bit of pain. So this laying there, not being able to move, and just feeling my toes throb like they were going to explode was pain enough to uh, drive me crazy. So definitely check out your whoever you're in there to see. Check out their toenails and stuff. Check out their fingernails. The family in states like Colorado, the family can still maintain toenails and stuff. But staff, unless the restrictions have changed over the last few years, the hospital staff is actually not able to do that. They have to call in uh, a, a doctor that comes in from from outside of the hospital to come in and, and deal with that. So they uh and we and we had a hard time finding one they that was a problem we were having there was actually no real luck finding anybody that did that kind of work down there 
But at the same time, as I said before, I was having a hard time communicating about this pain. And it's like, I can't talk or anything. So we, uh, we came up with a new way. I had that little bit of movement in my head. So my dad and I actually sat down and I, and it took all day for him and I to communicate back and forth with what little bit of lip movement I had and some eye blinking. But I had my dad go out down into uh, the uh, stash of stuff because they had at this time recovered the Jeep that I had stolen. And uh, there was a stash of stuff that was left behind in the glove box. And there was an old pair of sunglasses. And I think my dad ended up going to a dollar store or something. But he, we got some sunglasses, took the lenses out of them. We taped a laser pointer to the frame of the sunglasses put them on me and then we had poster boards that had common sentences common words letters and numbers that way I could sit there and move my head side to side just that little tiny bit and I could make out sentences and I could tell the people that were helping me what the heck I was trying to say and we eliminated so much. The only difference was, was we ended up spending a fortune in uh, watch batteries to keep those lasers uh, working, but it worked very well and it's a good idea. I'm gonna elaborate a little bit more on that and how we did some of that and some of the different phrases and stuff that we had on the boards and uh, just kind of some of the stuff that we did there to make that communication thing a little easier. But I told you guys that I would let you know what the heck I we came up with there. And once we got that going, even though I wasn't talking, I still could not shut up. I was in talk mode after that. It was just with my laser pointer and poster board. But we're all out of time on this episode. So we're going to see you back here for episode 13. You guys all have a good night. We will talk to you later. Thanks, you guys. <laughs>